everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And I think it's important right now to point out that we have an explicit tag on iTunes and elsewhere because <laughs> Junior Lofton scored a motherfucking three-pointer. He did. <laughs> he I did. literally jumped up and ran back to Catherine and was like, you missed it. And she was like, he shot a three? That's all she's wanted. <laughs> no, he um, didn't just shoot a three. He made a three. Oh, oh he yeah. shot several threes this year. He thought Lush. about it last year. It took him a whole year to he gain the confidence faked. to put one up. He, he pumped, pumped And then fucking buzzer beat a three-pointer yeah. at the shot clock buzzer. My Man. favorite part of it was is that not only did he follow through with his form to get the shot off, is he started backpedaling like Steph Curry. <laughs> like it was just another day at the office. Uh, man. And if if he can add perimeter shooting and three point shooting to his arsenal, my god! I mean, I know that it's that's over. really far fetched, but it's not. He has no, the stroke. I mean, In high school, he was a point guard. I mean, that, that gets brought up every time we play a yeah. national game. Is that yeah. he get, didn't have his growth spurt until high school, and he was a point guard until that point. So he has the shooting mechanics yeah, to be a he, perimeter shooting. It's just he, it, it's a couple steps away from being a game changer but the thing is he's starting to turn into a uh well he always has been he's a big guy uh but people are starting to uh i don't know if we should dive into this now are we diving into this now what i mean it's our podcast whatever we want to talk about oh yeah but you try to keep things structured that's fair there have been some comparisons between my all-time favorite nba player of all time because i have to say it twice charles bar charles barkley and kenny lofton and there are some fair comparisons here the thing that i like about lofton that most reminds me of barkley is lofton is absolutely fearless in the paint he's fearless and i i like to use that word because against uh ull there were times where he he's got men he's got these guys draped on him seriously draped you could not defend him any better and he still has his hand open like no just give me the ball just give me the ball And we'll talk about this in a bit, too. I mean, I think the quintessential Junior Lofton play happened in this ULL game. Oh, yeah. And it's not the three-pointer, but there is the replay. There is the (laughs) five-second clip you can show to anybody and be, this is Junior Lofton, and this is why this guy should be in the NBA sooner rather than later, much to my uh, fears and nightmares. All of our our chagrin, but we got this year and a lot to look forward to, but he's very powerful in the paint. And that's kind of a kind of a forgotten art in basketball because there's a lot of emphasis on three point shooting and long distance shooting that's become popular since Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and some other guys have rounded out that that fad of shooting three pointers. And sure, why not? I mean, it works for a lot of teams. Alabama, we learned that the hard way earlier this season. Oh, God. Uh, and yeah. Tech, te- we'll talk more about this in a sec, but Tech is still kind of struggling with three point either. Either that faucet's turned all the way on and gushing out, or it's dried up like the Sahara, to, you know, Sahara Desert. <laughs> so uh, Lofton, though, my God, I mean, we're going off on him a lot. Yeah, there, I mean, there, and, there'll be a Lofton podcast for the wives later this season, guys. Don't worry. Part <laughs> yeah. two. Part that, two. That that play y'all are talking about. I mean, my favorite thing about so he kind of like stops and stutter steps to the left and then yeah. go, cuts back inside. And my favorite thing about it is you can hear the crowd. Yeah, like before oh, he makes oh. the bucket, like everyone in the crowd goes like, "Oh!" Like yeah. when he jukes that dude and just like totally fakes him out with the stutter step, and that was, by the way, he he stutter stepped their best player. Like that was yep. the guy on ULL that scored all those points and was 
their like force to be reckoned with that that really made it a game for them. And Junior just yeah, Kenny I mean, is made him look absolutely mm-hmm. silly. So I I can't wait to get into that and to watch. You know, we can't name this episode after Junior Lofton again, can we, Nathan? But well, we um, again, it's our podcast. We can do what we want, <laughs> but hopefully something else comes out <laughs> that we can yeah. use as an episode name. I don't know. I just I really enjoyed watching that. The three point shot was cool, and there was a lot of good other performances on the on the Bulldog team, but. When you watch Junior, you, you feel like you're looking at someone who's inevitably going to be a starter in the NBA. Before we start to talk about this ULL game, let's talk some football news. And we finally figured out where J.D. Head was going after last week <laughs> hearing that he was going to transfer. He's heading to the University of North Texas. Uh, uh, not, not to be confused with the University of North Texas that we play. Oh, it's the, the same North Texas, so it is exactly. to be confused with. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I'm I'm just confused now. I think is, is what's <laughs> happening here. But the orb of confusion. <laughs> yeah, that that sucks. But um, it does. But eh, now I kind of hope he sucks. Um, I don't hope he like, sucks. I mean, we'll open a conference with him probably with him at a starting quarterback position. See, you say but, that, but whenever UNT wins three conference USA or they're going to AAC, but when they win the uh, USA title next year, and then he goes on to win two natties in a row in the AAC, then you'll see. Wow. Uh, what, yeah, a, what a Allen called shot. Has not, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Aaron Allen has not uh, announced where he's going yet. So Probably because um, no one's going to pick him up. I do know that Tech was looking at a fella, was offered offered a fella who's uh, up in Delaware, and he decided ultimately to stay with Delaware. Um, yep. So well, he decided not to leave. But Yeah, lots of... Uh, Lots of stuff going to happen in the next few days in terms For of sure. I think signing days on Wednesday. So by That's the time early signing people are listening to this, uh, I'm sure a ton of news will have come out that we don't know yet. So, yeah, but the, it's just early signing and that's just the kids that are graduating early. And I don't know how many of those. No, anybody, anybody's a, eligible. A lot of them. Sign. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. sign on early signing day. They sign their LOI. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's enough about the players. Let's talk about some about the coaches, because a bunch were announced as assistant coaches for this next football year under Sonny Cumbie. Having a lot of time, I know last week you kind of dove deep into that one coach who was hired as the co-OC. He had a very generic name, so I have to look back at the last week's notes, Jake Brown. Uh, But this year, just to kind of go through the names a little bit, a lot of them come from Steve F. Austin, by the way. But our defensive coordinator, Scott Power, co-offensive coordinator, along with let me scroll down again. Was it Jake something, right? Jake Brown. Uh, the other co-offensive coordinator that was hired this week is Scott Parr. Also defensive lineman coach Jamarcus McFarland. Jamarcus McFarkus. Yes, Jamarcus McFarkus. That's the episode, The name of the episode now. Assistant head coach Dan Sharp, who also has a, a position coach, I believe. But yeah, then also we have a couple uh, returners. Special teams. Special teams. teams. Yes, you're right. A couple of assistant coaches returning as well. The running backs coach, Brock Hayes, and the offensive line coach, Anthony Camp. So a lot of the praise coaching for, staff coming together pretty yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of up-and-comers. A, there's a lot of praise for Coach Hayes, too, as a recruiter. I, yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's the move. Coach Hayes and Coach Camp have been integral in recruiting. And, um, you know, the running back group this past year was okay, given the circumstances. And... uh yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have some continuity, continuity, Jesus, on the staff. But yeah, going back to Scott Power. Yeah, his um, last Nathan, name is Power. 
Yeah, which is obviously good. And Nathan, can you tell us more about SFA's defensive well, performances recently? <laughs> well, I was going to do that, but uh, Nathan. Hey, hey, wait, hold on a second. Well, 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 here, here's my voice that sounds a lot like Evans explaining <laughs> how Scott Power has performed as a defensive coordinator for Stephen F. Austin. Okay, Evan, can you tell us more about Scott Power, Stephen F. Austin defensive performances? <laughs> I can. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, he's also a very good recruiter, so that's not a defensive performance thing, but um, he signed back-to-back top five recruiting classes in FCS the past two seasons, um, including the number three class in 2019 and number five in 2020. So um, that's at Stephen F. Austin, which is not one of the traditional powers. Um, and both of those classes also included the best overall signee in FCS rank. So that's good. But his his defense in 2021 was among the best in the in the WAC. So that's good to hear. And they ended up leading the Lumberjacks to the playoffs, um, ranked number one in in the conference in scoring defense, total defense, takeaways, sacks, and opponents' <laughs> third down conversion percentage. Ooh. They also lost really close to Sonny Cumbie's offense at Texas Tech last year, 28 to 22. And they lost to number one ranked Sam Houston State, 21 to 20. So, you know, pretty, yeah, pretty close. They went eight and four last year. So pretty close to a couple huge wins there. Um, And then in the previous season, they were number two overall in the Southland Conference in defense and total defense and number one in pass defense efficiency, interceptions and takeaways. So seems like it's a pretty aggressive defense in terms of forcing those turnovers. Um, And also he likes to have, you know, strong uh, cornerbacks and safeties, which I know uh, some guys on the on the forums were talking about trying to lure some of SFA's better cornerbacks away, but maybe this is the reason why we why we signed that number three cornerback in the state, like uh, Nathan alluded to, or we haven't signed him yet, but we got a commitment from him, I guess. But yeah, so I mean, he he's had success everywhere he's gone so far, including the NAIA level and Division two level at Texas A and M Commerce. So I mean, it'll be interesting to Natural. see how that translates to. Um, to FBS, but hopefully a natural progression. Yeah, same for really all of these picks. Athletes. Minus Dan Sharp, I really think most of these picks seem like up and comer kind of guys yeah. who prove themselves at the FCS level. Let's see if you can do it at the FBS level, and you don't have to spend a lot of money on them, and that's money you can use for other things. And money is a big issue when it comes to this athletic department, and yes. just in general with how much we have coming in. So. Yes. I was just going to say, it could be a really exciting time for us where Tech wins a lot of football games, wins a couple of conference championships, wins some bowl games, turns into one of the best G5 schools in the country, and then it all comes crashing down and all the coaches are hired away to like P5 schools. But it'll be a fun three or four years. Yeah. I mean, it will be, hopefully. But there's one coach that we haven't mentioned yet that might not get hired away, even if that happens, because he went to school at Tech. Evan, who's the one assistant coach remaining that's returning that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so Paul Turner, former wide receiver from Louisiana Tech, I believe 2014 and 2015 he he played yeah. um, for the team. Uh, he was, I think, a defensive analyst last year, and uh, but he was working with Coach David Mackey and the Bulldogs safeties, so... He's been he's been retained, but not only retained as a defensive analyst, he's been promoted to a full coach. He's he will be the safeties coach moving forward. And I know Josh mentioned that uh, 
you know, I guess it makes sense for him to be a safeties coach since he knows how to beat safeties on the field, right? I think that was my joke that you're attributing to Josh. Was that your Josh, joke? But... Sorry. Well, <laughs> fuck you, Josh. Stop trying to steal yeah. Nathan's joke. Yeah, come on, oh, Josh. Cool. But yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to have a former tech guy on board, even if we're not going to get definitely love... Luke McCown, but the other guy. I definitely love Paul. Tim or Tay? Or either one of those. Tim or Tay or, or Colby Cameron. Just every single coach is a former... Latte quarterback. There you go. Yeah, I like Paul Turner a lot. <laughs> Jamar Smith, head coach. <clears throat> uh, please no. Uh, I like Paul Turner a lot. He was a good wide receiver. Uh, had a little bit of success in the NFL playing for the Eagles. Uh, and then I don't understand why he's on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, all joking aside, I, I really don't grasp that. But he must have a brilliant football mind. And I see him tagged in some of these recruits on Twitter. So I think he has a little hand in recruiting as well. Yeah. All right. Now let's move into basketball now because we've spent a long time in football and we only have one game to recap this week and I guess one and a half to preview. But this is probably my favorite part of this out of conference schedule for the Bulldogs playing Louisiana Lafayette, then a surprise game against LSUS coming up the day this comes out on Tuesday, and then LSU in Bossier City this coming Saturday. I mean, just kind of running the gambit with these L- with this Louisiana schedule. Yeah, playing playing teams from all corners of the state here. Um, <laughs> really, do not understand why that game is being played in Bozier. Because LSU didn't want to play an away game, so this counts as a neutral site. That's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's the answer. <sighs> yeah, but it's just stupid on their part. Just play well, in the tack. They've they've never played tech in north louisiana they never played tech outside of baton rouge so we'll take this i mean come to the Small tech steps. please but yeah we'll we'll take this for now and uh yeah i mean maybe we could just like since they don't know north louisiana at all because it's a south louisiana based team maybe we can just like <laughs> just edit their gps their entries <laughs> yeah so yeah. we can just na- rename the tech the brookshire's grocery arena for a day <laughs> just for the day yeah yeah <laughs> love it yeah well, let's do it. Anyway, let's talk about the ULL game first, because that yeah. one we know we won. Uh, let's do this 90-second recap starting now. Uh, for the beginning of this game, it was ULL's game to lose. And uh, in the end, boy, did they lose it. Tech yeah. was 0 for 13 from 3 in the first half. And Junior Lofton had two quote-unquote fouls early. So the Rage of Cajuns had all the momentum going into halftime. But Tech wouldn't go quietly, and by mostly forcing turnovers, they were able to stay in the game and only be down by three at the half. But then Junior Lofton started on the court to start the second half, and I believe he never came out of the game. Uh, Kobe Williams did also start the second half (coughs) on the bench because he was ill, which if you follow the NBA long enough and realize he came out right afterwards, probably meant he just had to go to the bathroom which was something that was not said on the broadcast. Uh, Lofton took over in the second half, though, while Kobe Williams was on the toilet. But so did Archibald with some very high basketball IQ plays, including a steal and a pass that was just expertly defended, just realizing how the game was going, how they were passing the ball around uh, the three-point line and just jumping in front of a pass and defending it. But it was really Lofton, and this is the play we mentioned earlier. He splits two defenders on a layup, that caused at least me to audibly yell with excitement at the TV, spooking the dog and probably a few other people in the neighborhood. (laughs) And then the moment the prophecy foretold, Lofton hit a three-pointer. And from then on, Tech was in control. 
but ULL would not go away. Tech went on a 10-0 run, but it was still pretty much Tech's to lose with uh, Raging Cajuns not giving the game away, including a couple times that those Cajuns made it close. But thanks to 20 for 24 free throw shooting, Tech was able to put this game away. Yes, foul shot shooting. Love is it. what gave Bulldogs the win, 78 yep. to 69. Same, same thing against Santa Clara. They're stepping yeah. up. Yeah, we're shooting. I think I saw a La Tech Sports Central tweet saying that we're shooting like 74.1% from the line right 76. now. 76.1. Oh, wow. Which is, We're in I the believe, top 50. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the second best percentage in Tech basketball history <laughs> if this were to hold up for the rest of the season. So, um. What is yeah. Conkle telling the kids? If you miss a shot, you lose a family member? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's part the players, too, that are taking these foul shots. Archibald has always been an 80, 85% to 90% shooter. He's a 90% shooter right now. Kobe Williams has always been on the better side of tech. He's shooting 77% right now. Uh, Keiston Willis, who's a newcomer, hasn't. he's shooting 81% from the line. But I think it's Lofton who's really kind of gone above and beyond what he's done in the past right now he's shooting 67 percent from the free throw line which is below tech's average but compare that to a year ago and lofton was only shooting 59 percent. so he's getting better and that's scary if you're other, any other team in conference usa play because this guy drives and he creates fouls and he goes to the line if he's able to hit those shots more and more frequently lofton I, I know we said we weren't going to talk about him this whole show, but this is just another thing he's gotten better at. The yeah, kid's and, insane. And I, I mean, Lofton didn't even play almost all of the first half because of these two fouls you talked about, right? So I think just the fact that we shot over 13 and our best player who we want to run our offense through played the first like four minutes of the game and then did not come back in the first half. We were only down by three at halftime. And that's that felt like a huge win. With those stats, we were shooting like 34% compared to ULL's like 55% and we were down three. I have no idea how that worked, but it was turnovers for the most part. I think is really one of the biggest thing is whether it was the Cajuns giving up the ball or us stealing it away. Tech was creating these turnovers. I think we were what plus six or plus eight at the half when it came to that turnover, uh, whatever the word is. But Tech was Tech was doing their part to get more second chance opportunities or just more possessions to be able to shoot the ball and probably miss. But then even at the end of the first half, we started to go on a little bit of a run to close that gap to three. And also like, yes, Lofton was benched for that first half, but then also remember our second best player on this team, at least who we thought was the second best player on this team is out for the rest of the year. Yeah. And Isaiah Crawford. So the fact that we were able to do that and stay within striking distance and granted ULL is not supposed to be that great of a team, but we were able to do this without our top two players and stay within a position where we could take this lead pretty early on in the second half too. By the, by the 10 minute mark in the second half, we were up 54 to 49. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I want to talk about that maybe we, we haven't is coach Conkle is absolutely doing a phenomenal. Absolutely. With That's exactly. Team. I've been kind of chomping at the bit to say something about coach Conkle. I mean, he really is working without one of the better players in the team and was working without, the best player on the team for much of the first half, he's getting a lot out of these players. I don't know. Can you guys kind of speak to what, what you guys saw, yeah. kind, of, kind of what he brought to the table from some of these youngsters? Yeah, I, I think what was most impressive to me was that Jordan Brown, the 
the forward for ULL who had, I think like 20 or 22 or some, some crazy shit like that points in the first half, um, really, you know, was the reason that they were dominant, that ULL was dominating tech in the first half. He picked up his second foul late in the first half. And then Conkle came out and, and basically just schemed attacks on this guy <laughs> and Love was it. like, I'm going to, I'm going to drive the paint with Kobe Williams and Amori Archibald. And like you said, Nathan, we don't care if those guys get to the free throw line. Great. They'll hit the shots. Right. But like driving straight at and just attacking Jordan Brown and, and basically forcing him to foul if he wanted to play defense. And he very quickly picked up four fouls. And so he had to sit, you know, from that point where, where Lofton starts taking over the game. And then the guy that came in to spell Jordan Brown, Isaiah Richards picked up four fouls. So they kind of had to go small after that. And it was like, man, Conkle is just putting on a clinic. And Mm -hmm. some people who were at the game were commenting on how like Conkle is like, he's a tactician, right? He's, he's in the huddle coaching up the guys like drawing on the whiteboard and ULL's coach is like, you know, yelling at the refs during the break. And it's like, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) and and that's something that's always kind of teed me off about, people's criticism of Conkle is that people want a coach that's yelling at the refs because that's what yeah. they want to do is they want to yell at the yeah. refs. No, like, that's Why is Conkle just that's sitting the there and taking it? Yeah. But the the job of Conkle, like, yeah, you can, you can argue your case with the refs. The refs are never going to change what they just did. No. Maybe no. you get a makeup call if you convince them thoroughly, but that's such a low percentage chance of happening. Like if you're playing the percentages, what you do is you say, hey, look, I think that was wrong. Like, here's what I think. And then go and coach your team and get them ready to do whatever you need to do next rather than uh, assign your assistant coaches to figure out whatever the hell to do with your team while you yell at the ref and get kicked out UTEP coach style. And yeah, and I think like, you know, just the fact that we had to play such a long stretch without Lofton and my understanding is that we went 0 for 13 from three point in the first half, but it wasn't like we were taking contested, like bad looks. It was open shots that we just weren't hitting. So it was kind of like, you know, eventually those shots are going to start falling and you're going to, you're going to go a little bit closer to your average. We ended up only shooting 19% from three in this game, which is pretty terrible. Pretty awful. Um, But we did hit our first three of the second half though. Yeah. And it kind of felt like, okay, we missed them all in the first half. We'll just yeah. hit them all in the second half. We'll be even. Right. And uh, and then Lofton picked up his late in the half to get the fourth, I guess. But yeah. we shot four for 21. But it, it wasn't live by the three, die by the three. It was like, man, we're taking open looks and they're not falling. But stick to the game plan. Keep driving the lane. And if it's there, take it. If it's not, kick it out to the open man. And that's how our offense is going to have to run with Lofton as the as the sort of point player, you know? So it's, it's just, it's impressive to me because we've all kind of been critical of Conkle in the past, or, or a lot of people have been very critical of him and thought that he couldn't grow as a coach, but I think we're seeing his maturation here. Um, and it's not just that he has a superstar level player, right? It's, it's scheming around that and coaching, yeah, coaching within that. Lost one of his better players. And then had the absolute best player on the bench for a lot of the first half. And he was still able to produce with guys that don't necessarily come to mind right off the bat. And that speaks to his ability as a coach. Uh, A few more notes from this game, though, because we spent a lot of time talking about football. Tech is now 91 and 76 all time against the Cajuns. So it's not just football that we dominate them in. And 
The Bulldogs have also scored <laughs> 78 or more points in seven straight games. That's the longest streak since 1972. <laughs> Wow. This is a high scoring. Get your butt to Thomas Assembly Center or Gro- Brookshire's Grocery Arena to watch this game. Watch I don't know these about games that one, because yeah. this Go. team is amazing. Pack the damn tack, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. One final note about the game. Uh, shout out band, students, crowd for uh, for really bringing the uh, if you're winning and you know it chant at the end of the game. Great shit. Showed up on the on the uh, broadcast, and the announcer said the crowd is now heckling. <laughs> <laughs> you are. They were like, and now there's some heckling from the crowd, and it was like, yeah, man, good shit. I'm trying to remember something else that I wanted to get in here, but I was on the tip of my tongue, and then I lost it. But I knew it was going to be important. While Matt thinks of that, uh, thank you, Evan. <laughs> how do the Bulldogs look in terms of rankings right now? Yeah, I just wanted to to give a quick update since we always talk about the players or the teams that we are about to play against in their rankings. I wanted to give a quick rundown of Tech's uh, overall rankings in these um, metrics we're always talking about. So Massey ranks Tech 103rd. Ken Palm has us up to 86th. And then the net rankings, which just came out, um, and that's kind of the new RPI, if you will. It's what the selection committee uses to determine who gets in and who's out. Um, Those have us 94th. Some strengths for the Bulldogs are offensive efficiency. Um, we're really, really good in Ken Palm's effective field goal percentage, 59th overall, um, 23rd in two-point percentage. So that's really good. And like you said, Nathan, 49th in free throw percentage. We're weak in three-pointers offensively. Also, we allow a lot of offensive rebounds to our opponents, and we allow our opponents uh, to shoot pretty high percentage of two pointers as well. So those are some areas for improvement. Yeah. And we'll see if we can improve some of those rankings with what should be an easy win in our first game, a game that takes place on the day that this podcast comes out against LSU Shreveport or what I think we've called on this show in the past, Lil Sus. No, El Sus. No, <laughs> it's definitely called no. my mother. My mother graduated from LSU S as did both of my brothers. They call it luscious. Luscious. Um, well, I have a lot, anyway. of, a, lot of, a lot of fond memories at LSUS. My mother worked in the computer lab, and uh, her shift was always in the afternoon while she was a student there. And after we got out of school, she would drive all of us up there, and we'd hang out of the computer lab from like 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. and like play on the, like the newest Mac computers with high-speed internet in 2003. Wow. I mean, my fond memory is that Chipotle right off their campus was the first Chipotle I ever went to. Okay, well, I mean, that pales in comparison to my childhood, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> it, but but burritos. <laughs> anyway, Tuesday, December 14th, the day you may be listening to this or possibly a few days before, 6.30 p.m. Central at the Tech, Louisiana Tech takes on the pilots of LSU Shreveport. They are a non-Division One opponent, so that means there's not a lot we can talk about because well, there's not I, a lot of well, advanced stats. Well, I guess Matt could give us his anecdotes from his childhood about LSU Shreveport. Well, I could. Well, first of all, fuck you. Two. <laughs> fair. Um, that's fair. Two. Uh, I've been to a lot of LSUS uh, pilots games. I used to go a lot with my brothers and my dad. Uh, LSUS is NAIA. Uh, they've been so good as to make the uh, the national championship game three or four times they've lost every single time i do believe they were at one time arguably well not arguably i mean definitely one of the top four or three teams in the entire country in the naia 
I don't know how good they've been recently, but I know only maybe two or three years ago, they made the final four up here in Kansas city uh, because the NAIA tournament's always up in Kansas city at the municipal auditorium. So historically speaking, LSU S is a very good basketball team. Uh, that being for, said, for that the NIAA. Right. That being said, they are in the NAIA. Uh, te- I think I looked up on I looked this game up on ESPN and it said Tech had a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning it. Yeah, we'll go to Ken Palm and Massey in a second. That are pretty close to that. But you say that LSUS has been historically very dominant in the game of basketball. But Tech has been pretty dominant against the Pilots, which makes sense because of the different levels of play. They played twice before in both schools' history, in 2015 and 2016. And Tech won the first game 82-49 to and the second game 95-53. to uh, That's, well, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, what you're going to do if you're the Pilots is feed the ball to the player to watch I have for this team. And by the way, I love some of the non-Division One schools because they make you download a PDF to see their stats rather than putting it on <laughs> the like page that. just by itself. Yeah, it's an old school like way that. of doing it. Buy-in, you know there's you know? a lot of effort that goes into it. Yeah, you can't just see the stats, no. Yeah, you have to go out of your way to install a PDF reader to look at their stats. <laughs> but the guy who I picked for their player to watch is a guard by the name of Jeff Boyd. He's the only pilot to start every game so far this year, and he's over 40% from three-point land. So if anyone is going to make the dogs pay for their beatdowns of the pilots of the past, it's Jeff Boyd. Is he, uh, does it say what high school he went to? Oh God, don't make me download the PDF again. Uh, I think he went to junior college, if I remember right from looking Uh at this earlier. Uh, Jeff Boyd, he went to Panola Junior College. He's from Chicago. Oh, I see. Far away. Yeah. Ken Palm gives Tech a 100% chance to win this game because Ken Palm doesn't do percentages when they're non-Division one opponents and just assumes you'll win the games you're supposed to win, which, if you follow Tech long enough across multiple sports, doesn't make a lot of sense, but whatever, I'll take it. 100% chance to win. Massey, though, gives Tech a 99% chance to win, which sounds more like it. A final score predicted of 96-61. to 61. Uh, I think we'll all think that Tech will win this game, but how many points do you think Tech will win this game by? Ooh, um, I'll say 35. Yeah, that's probably think, uh, 36. All right, so we're going to price this right this. I'll go 34. I could see Tech stumbling a little bit against this in this game, especially if Junior Lofton kind of doesn't play as much as he has been in the past to save right. him for some LSU action happening later More this than, week. More than likely. Unless Tech loses yeah. to LSUS, in which case I will go into hibernation because it'll be the first time that a, a school that my family went to beat oh, my man. school at anything athletically. Your brothers love to talk shit when random schools beat Tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their school beats Tech. That'll be pretty yeah. rough. They might just actually feel sorry for me. But you said LSUS does not have a national championship. You know who has exactly one national championship? LSU. Uh, they won oh. one in 1935 over Pittsburgh <laughs> wow. in a game that finished at 41 to 37. It was the American Legion Bowl at the time. Apparently they had bowl games for basketball back then. They don't anymore, but the Tigers are who the Bulldogs will face this Saturday, December 18th at 630 Central, again at the Brookshire's Grocery Arena in Bossier <laughs> City. Run for your life, people. Yeah, at I'll least- be there. I'm excited. Um, it's really close to, to the house Lofton. I grew up in. Um, you know, in person for the first time. I would me. 
absolutely love to go to this game. It's really close to the house I grew up in, Bossier City. I I really wish I could be at this game. It's in the it's in the arena I graduated high school from. Wow! Uh, so it it would be a really cool feeling to go back and watch. And I hope Evan shares a lot of stuff and on Snapchat for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll be tweeting from the game. It's gonna be a tough, tough matchup. Um, that's for sure. So why don't we dive into it here and uh. Yeah, so while Evan watches that game from the arena, I'll be watching it from the Washington, D.C. watch party, because that's a thing now. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Last time we had a basketball watch party, it was a game against Western Kentucky that didn't end so well. But hopefully this one will be different, even though the Tigers are number 13 in Ken Palm and 9-0 and so far this season. Ooh. Have not lost a game. Their best yeah. win came over number 54 Belmont. This game was in Baton Rouge. But it was a 30-point victory over Ooh. a top 64 opponent. 30 yeah. points. Yeah, that's And that's they have some rough. other good wins on their schedule, too. And, I mean, let's see. Have they played? Yeah, they, they've played number 84 Penn State, and that went to overtime, 68-63 to 63 win for them. Um, Georgia Tech, number 96, they beat by 16 points um, this past Saturday. So... You want to read that uh, ULM score real quick, even though uh, Monroe is only 243rd ooh, in the country? Yeah, so if if it's just the geographic region that we come from, we're in trouble <laughs> because they beat ULM 101-39 to 39 to open the season. That's a little scary. Hopefully we do a little better than that. My God. Yeah, I mean, they've played a couple close games, but they've been they've been blowing out a lot of teams, too. Yeah, I said their best win was number number fifty four Belmont. Their worst loss so far this year, LOL. They don't have one again. They're nine and zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so team tendencies wise, LSU is a very extremely defensive focused team. They are third yeah. overall in defensive efficiency, second overall in effective field goal percentage allowed, third overall in turnovers forced, third overall in shots blocked, and first overall. And when I say overall, I mean across college basketball and steals yeah somehow even their free throw defense is the 16th best in the nation (laughs) well their defense just it's like life it finds a way yeah i mean jurassic park reference the best unit on this on the floor on saturday will be lsu's defense and i mean luckily tech's offense is is the best you know the thing that we have going for us but Man, I, ooh, this is scary. Number three, number two, number three, number one in steal percentage. My God, like that's always scary when you see that when there are 359 teams or whatever the hell. Yeah, and the offense is no scrubs either. They're 56th best in two-point shooting, 18th best in free throw shooting. Uh, really, the only place where I could point to where they struggle as a team is three-pointers. They are shooting just over 30%. And at 257th in the nation, which is low. But if it's that one thing that they can't do, then that's still scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're fucked in that game. But uh, if it can be at least somewhat competitive, I, I, I would enjoy it. Yeah. We were fucked last year, too, when we lost on the road at LSU 86 to 55. But if we were to put any kind of asterisks on this game, it was very, very early in the year before the emergence of Junior Lofton. And while he did play 25 minutes, he wasn't a starter or normal rotation guy yet. This is did about he the time he started. Minutes? Yeah, this is about the time he started to become 
the junior lofton we know and love and name cats after <laughs> i th- wait did you name your cat after junior lofton he did uh, yeah i didn't see your cat's name what is your cat's name it's junior, junior. oh my god that's amazing yeah um <laughs> i did i i missed that message earlier because i was in a meeting but um yeah so i mean lofton actually led the game in points and rebounds last year i i i'm trying to check this but i think it was his first career double double um and tech only scored 55 points and lofton had 17 of them so we may see that again except lofton may score 35 points and we may score you know 70 hopefully but I mean, yeah, if Lofton is to have a good night or a bad night, I think it comes down to a couple players. I think one of them is your player to watch. So you want to talk about your guy real quick, Evan? Yeah. So, I mean, one of LSU's things is that they are pretty excellent at offensive rebounding, 43rd in the nation. And Tech's defense is, like I mentioned earlier, pretty bad at giving up offensive rebounds. So one of their guys that's going to grab those boards is their six foot 11 inch center, Efton Reed who's um, 147th in the nation among players in offensive rebound percentage. And he also blocks 9.1% of shot attempts taken against him, which is 52nd best in the nation. So he will be a force to be reckoned with. He doesn't score a ton of points usually, but he he pretty much always has some blocks, some steals, and a lot of offensive boards. So watch out for that guy. Yeah, I'm just disappointed you didn't pick the player whose name is Alex Fudge. I almost did. I almost did. And I'm not even no kidding. No one, no one would have blamed you. Yeah, the player I picked instead of Alex Fudge is Terry Eason, who is Ken Palm ranks as a top 10 player in college basketball, which is just scary on its own front. But he is top 100 in shots made. He is top 100 in defensive rebounds pulled down. He is top 50 in block shots. He is top 100 in steals taken. He is the heartbeat of this LSU team. He is used pretty much all the time by this team as a power forward, as a number four guy. He's six foot eight, so he's not the biggest guy, but we've seen what not the biggest guy can do to teams in the name of Junior Lofton. And I really feel like this guy is LSU's Junior Lofton, and it's Terry Eason, number 13. That yeah. said, he hasn't started a game, so that's kind of interesting. Huh. I've never looked at these Ken Palm, like Ken Palm player of the year standings type things. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we've never faced a top 15 or 10 or whatever yeah. they rank yeah. player of the year. So that's that's kind of scary right off the bat. What also is scary is what Ken Palm gives Tech as percentage chance to win. And it's a 19% chance to win. So about 1-5. That feels around fair. Uh, but the final score prediction is 68-77. to 77. Massey who ranks the Tigers third overall, gives Tech a 10% chance to win with a final score predicted of 65 to 79. So yeah, not a lot of faith by the computers. But what do we think? Evan, do you want to start us off? Sure, yeah. I mean, this is this is a pretty brutal matchup uh, for any team. Obviously, LSU coming in ranked top five in several offensive and defensive categories is uh it's pretty tough to see a road to victory but i'll predict that junior lofton is going to absolutely ball out and i'm going to get to see some truly special things but can those guys from last weekend who showed up in a big way um come back again you know amori archibald and kobe williams had 20 and 19 points respectively last week and if we're going to have any chance 
against this LSU team, we're going to have to hit some damn three-point shots. And we did not do that last week. We'll probably need somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to be in this game because LSU is going to score a lot of points. Um, They just are. We are going to need to score at a higher clip than we have. I don't know if we have that in us. Keiston Willis, it's time to go off, my dude. Time to go off. Yeah. So I, I think... I don't think Tech's going to pull this one off. I, I think some somewhere like 85 to 76 or something like that. You know, like a, I'll, I'll say single digits, but it's not going to be super close. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Uh, Tech will probably end up losing by about 20, 25 points. I'm not going to put a score on it, but they'll they'll lose handedly. For my prediction, and Uh-oh. I really feel like my predictions at this point become a, a thing, I guess, because I'm always overly optimistic about this. But I mentioned earlier that their free throw defense is 16th best in the nation. And that sounds like a really weird stat to hone in on because it just means that other teams are shooting 16th worst against them at free throws because you don't really do defense at free throws, right? You just kind of stand there as long as you don't get into the lane. At that point, they get to shoot it again. But what that means to me is that the crowd is having a huge impact on the other teams that you're facing. And that would be especially true if you're LSU and have yet to play a true away game all year. Wow. LSU started the year with five straight actual home games, two wow. neutral sites, and a home game, and then a game that, granted, was played in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, but it was not played at Georgia Tech's campus. Wow. They won't play an away game until they start conference play against Auburn later this month after they face Tech. Bossier City is not an away game for LSU. It's technically a neutral site, but this game comes down to how many tech fans show up. Yeah, and I can tell you this from experience, born and raised there, there's going to be a hell of a lot more LSU fans in the stands and a lot of tech fans. There will be a hell of a lot of LSU fans, but if there are enough tech fans not to make this a game like it was at the PMAC in Baton Rouge and give tech somewhat of their home court advantage, which Mass, which Ken Palm gives a ninth in Division One ranking to, compared to LSU's home ranking of 63rd when it comes to their home court advantage. If Tech is able to show up even a little bit and make this crowd somewhat even, I honestly think Tech may take this game. It comes down to Junior. Of course it does. Of course it comes down to him not getting in foul trouble. If he gets two quick fouls like he did against ULL, LSU is going to bury Tech before Tech is able to get him back off the bench at halftime. This game comes down to Junior playing his best game, Kobe playing his best game, Archibald making his foul shots. It comes down to Keiston Willis becoming the guy we've seen in those games where he's hot. I think there is definitely that one out of five games that Ken Palm gives us, that 90% chance, about 20% chance, one out of five, that Tech wins this game. I think that one out of five happens because I think everything goes right for the Bulldogs and Tech wins by three. And that is my final score prediction. Man, I'd love it. I'll be there. I would love that. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. And it wouldn't be the only team playing basketball for Tech. This That's a horrible transition. But the women's teams also played this week, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I spent all my energy on that on that rambling and had nothing to go into the transition. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the Texters are currently 134th in Massey and have a 6-2 and two overall record so far this year, which I think we'd all agree is pretty good. And that means that last week, I guess that was a spoiler, uh, last week they beat Number 248, Sam Houston State, 77 to 52. Um, Kiana Walker led the way with 26 points, which earned her 
um, Louisiana Sports Writers Player of the Week honors. The one thing that stands out here to me was I was looking at the box score. They only took five three-point attempts in this game. Only took five. They made two of them. And so I was like, man, 77 points without three-pointers is, that's a lot of points. They scored 50 points in the paint. Um, that's that's a lot. They outscored Sam Houston 50 to 28 in the paint. And that was enough to dominate this game. So, you know, I I think the Texters are showing that they will match up. And, you know, maybe we're seeing, like with Conkle, maybe we're seeing some good coaching from the stores as well here to to play matchup games and, you know, just win whatever way we can. This week, they traveled down to Lafayette to play number 165 in Massey, ULL. Um, that's at Sunday on Sunday at 4 p.m. Central on ESPN+. And Massey gives Tech a 50% chance to win and says the final score will be 59-58 to 58 Tech. So um, should be a good one at 4 o'clock on ESPN Plus on Sunday. So make sure to check them out. Yeah, but we go back to the men's team for this week's Tweet of the Week. I know, Evan, you just talked a bit, but you kind of brought to us this tweet. So <laughs> I think you deserve to describe it. Yeah, so at La Tech Hoops, Bulldog Basketball tweeted on Sunday, threw up those double L's yesterday and then like a smirking emoji and then says locked and loaded. And it's a picture of, I'm not even sure what player that is. It's, it's Stacy Thomas. Oh, Stacy Thomas, who should be coming back from injury soon, hopefully, um, holding up two L's with his fingers. And then there's a crawfish emoji after locked and loaded. So just a little bit of shade being thrown at our not friends uh, down from the swamps. So, you know, good stuff from the official account. I That may be the first time we've given it to an official account. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody needs they have to the keep track mark. of this stuff, but yeah. I don't know. Eventually, when we get popular enough, we'll have that Wikipedia where we don't even have to keep track of it ourselves, right? That's how that yeah. works. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that was a great tweet. Anything to throw up the double L's. I mean, throw up the double L should just be a thing that we say at the school of Lafayette anyway. So yeah. And before, before you get into your um, end of show stuff, I have a couple more things. Um, one, uh, if you brought a sign to the game and you want a GTPDD sticker, just hit us up. We'll get you a sticker. Um, the best sign that I saw, I think was the one that said, um, that said ULL fans would hate my sign if they could read or whatever, <laughs> um, which I believe tech administration like took away and made them made them throw away or something like that, which is kind of lame because it's like it's not profane or anything. It's just, you know, mean spirited, which is good. I also really, really appreciate um, I'd rather go to Nichols. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, so those two win. But yeah, if you if you had a sign um, also, if you're at the game on saturday at brookshire's grocery arena hit me up i'll have stickers with me so um hit me up and uh the other thing i want to say um on a more serious note is you know um we're our thoughts are with the people of bowling green kentucky and all the other places that were affected by those tornadoes last weekend i've been retweeting a, a gofundme account organized by western kentucky's kicker um to raise money to to buy people groceries and and clothes and stuff for people who lost their homes. It was a, a pretty devastating tornado and, you know, us tech people know how that can be. So, you know, thinking about our friends in, in Kentucky. Also guys, keep a luxurious need, his yeah. family and your thoughts too. 
Uh, Sneed unfortunately lost his brother uh, in a very tragic way uh, back in Menden, Louisiana. Uh, is, uh, was uh, We all know Sneed is playing a big role in the NFL now in that Chiefs defense, and he did miss the game, which it was a good game for him to miss because the Chiefs absolutely destroyed the Raiders. Uh, but Sneed is uh, in our thoughts. We love you, Sneed, and uh, we we hope you and your family are able to get through this together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, same here. I mean, it's two just absolute tragedies happened this week, both to the people of not just Western Kentucky, but that whole region, and then also to the Sneed family and Ligarius specifically. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's it was a tough week to follow some of that news. Yeah, so I mean, check out our website and everything yeah. like that. We'll we'll leave it at that this time. Y'all know the end of show stuff. Instead of trying to sell you stuff, just you know, if you want a shirt, go to our website. Like, <laughs> it, you know what? If you want a shirt this week, like, go donate the money to the yeah. to the GoFundMe for uh, Western Kentucky Relief, and you can find that on our Twitter. So. Uh, save, save the shirt for another week and, and it'll yeah. still be there. We promise. Anyway, until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die. Beat LSU, please. <laughs>exactly what i was getting ready to say and have been yeah, chomping yeah, at the it. bit I was, well sorry there's a lot of mayo in the sandwich <laughs> <laughs> fucking delicious